There's a uh, crimson thread that runs throughout Scripture. And this crimson thread is mentioned from time to time. Other times we, we have to look a little bit harder to see it. But you see, the way that Scripture is written and the way that, that we interpret it and, and the way that we look at the grand narrative of Scripture, we have to understand this crimson thread to understand our place in the story. See, in the beginning, there was creation. And God spoke words of life and created. He made the earth and he made the animals and he made man in his own image, created him to look like his own image and created woman to be with him and it was beautiful. And, and, and we understand from, from this time that, that there's one word, one word that God looks at creation in this moment and, and thinks, and that is shalom, perfect peace. Man was set in the garden to tend for the, the creation that God had put in place and, and had every opportunity to worship God through his work and through his words and the way that he lived his life. But we know there was a twist coming. And that twist is that God told them that they could eat the fruit of any tree except for one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They ate the fruit. And, and don't blame them, I, I would have also. But here's the thing, the second act of our story as we read the narrative scripture is the fall. The fall of man, the fall of the perfect creation that God put on this earth to work and to worship him. Fallen lowly because of sin and brokenness. Understanding the good and evil in the world and God cast them out so that they could not eat of the tree of eternal life and live forever in that fallen state of mercy. But God cursed man and he said, because of your disobedience, because of your sin, you will forever live in a way that you are, are broken and fallen and have guilt because of your sin. And, and because I am a perfect God, I can no longer walk with you and commune with you and have relationship with you. And so God took the skins of animals, he slaughtered them there in the garden and clothed man and woman because they were naked. And in that moment, we see the first blood sacrifice for the sins of man as God himself cleaved the skin from these animals to wrap around his creation. And from that moment on, throughout the fall, we see a need for blood. As a matter of fact, we, we look through scripture and it tells us that without blood, there is no salvation. It's impossible because, because the, the act of sin requires death. So when God cast them out, he said, you should be dead because your sins against me are grave enough that in my perfection, I can't be around you. And in order for you to live a life that is upright and pleasing in my eyes, there has to be blood because that is the life essence inside of creation. 
So through, through ages, through, through all this time, what happened is any time man wanted to be right in the eyes of God, there, it required an animal sacrifice. We see this lined up, and, and we learned about this in Exodus uh, th- throughout the time that we spent there. The, the sacrificial system in John so beautifully wove that narrative for us last week to talk about every year at the Day of Atonement, the goats that, that would come forward and be a sacrifice for the sins of the people, the blood that would be splattered and, and into right relationship with God again. And this gives us a a brief glimpse into the third act of Scripture, the third narrative part of Scripture, and and that narrative is resurrection. We move from creation to fall, and we're seeing glimpses of resurrection. We're seeing glimpses uh, through the blood that's shed of God saying, you're my children, and I love you, and I'll pour out my presence upon you. But God had a bigger plan. in Jesus, the Messiah, Christ incarnate, the the Holy One, the King of the universe, fully God and fully man, to walk on this earth and live a perfect life, to walk in the ministry of his Father, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is here and that there's a new way to live our lives, proclaiming that he was the Christ the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of the people who would once and for all take away the sins of the world. And John the Baptist, when he saw him, he looked and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of man. And so through his perfect life, he had to die. Fully God and fully man, because only man could pay the penalty for sin, but only God could withstand the wrath of God. And that's what tonight is all about. Our Savior stretched out, crucified on a cross, bleeding and broken, beaten with a crown of thorns on his head, mocked and derided, bearing the weight of the sins of all humankind, past, present, and future, who would trust in him. looking at the Father and feeling separated for the first time. Because in that moment, what we learned earlier is that God could not be in the presence of sin. And so with all of these sins bearing down upon him, the the feeling of God turning away, and even on the cross, Jesus yelled, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt the weight. That song, when you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. It rested squarely on his shoulders. My sin, my brokenness, my not enoughness, my failures, my faults, resting on the shoulders of the Messiah, the King. And in his death, proclaiming my freedom. Sometimes I can't wrap my head around it. It's too good to be true. But it's true. 
You see, in the sacrificial system, we see another crimson thread. And this thread, following the narrative of Scripture that that we've been walking through on the Day of Atonement, I read this passage for us. John mentioned this on Sunday and taught masterfully on this, and I'm not going to get into a ton of the details, but I want us to hear this because I, I think this is important for us as we learn the narrative of Scripture and we see what Jesus accomplished on the cross this night so many years ago. And this is what it says in Leviticus. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. In that moment, dead, the blood poured out. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness. Here's what it says a little bit later. When he has made an end of the atoning for the holy place in the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, all of their transgressions, all of their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. So we see there's three sacrifices that are made here. The first sacrifice is this bull that was slaughtered for for the ritual cleansing. Then we have two identical goats that are brought forward. One of them is killed for for a sin offering to the Lord. And the second, all of the sins of Israel, all of the sins of the people, he had to confess them out loud, all of the transgressions with his hands on the head of the goat. And then he would take a crimson thread and put it on the head of the goat to be led out into the wilderness. The sins of the people banished into the wilderness. This is where we get some of the language that we read in Scripture where where it talks about God separating us from our sin as far as the east is from the west because when that goat was sent out into the wilderness, it would be forgotten, just like our sins. And you see, it doesn't stop there. I mean, we see this practice for years on years on years. As one goat, the blood is shed and sin is forgiven and the other goat is released and sin is banished. You see that in your heart? We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the presence of sin. Because Christ was the perfect sacrifice, who lived a perfect life, who who walked this earth, and it says there was no temptation that came to him that that we were not familiar with. And and he walked through the earth as a, a perfect man and fully God, and he died on the cross and fulfilled the role of both of these goats. And I want us to understand why. 
When he was pierced for our transgressions, his blood shed to provide forgiveness of our sins. But do you realize he was beaten in the castle? He was led out into the wilderness. He was banished from the presence of the Father with sin on his shoulders. Christ's death is our scapegoat. It represents the banishment of our sins. So we don't have to hang on to them anymore. Not only are we forgiven of sin, the original sin, but we're forgiven of the original guilt. That's why that thread from Adam is beautiful, because, because we learn about the original sin and the original guilt. The sin that can only be forgiven through the shedding of blood, and the guilt that can only be forgiven through atonement. And Jesus, our perfect Savior, dying a death on the cross to take away the sin of the world, to, to divide it from us as far as the east is from the west. Because of this night, so many years ago, the blood shed and Jesus dying for our sins, we not only have forgiveness, but we have the ability to, to banish that and not wear it anymore. So friends, if you're feeling guilt tonight, I think guilt can be holy because it helps us to see the depth of our sin, but it's not meant to be held on to. Jesus died for that. It's a transition phase that shows us we were that bad, but he is that good. We think of our Savior pierced on the tree, the, the crown of thorns on his head, the crimson blood flowing from his head in the same place that goat would wear the crimson thread. And that is our resurrection. Our resurrection from the dead, our forgiveness of sins, the banishment of our sins and guilt so that we can stand with the Father in relationship again. So that we can be let in. That is the good news of the gospel that, that Jesus died so that we could live. And worship him for eternity. And that is the fourth and final act of this crimson thread. The narrative of scripture is not only is there resurrection, but there's restoration. In Revelations, God promises, behold, I'm making all things new. There will be an end to war and famine and brokenness and, and we'll have eternity with our Father. That's what we're going to celebrate on Sunday, the resurrection and the restoration. But tonight, I want us to focus. I want us to spend some time examining ourselves, realizing the things that, that were on Jesus' shoulders when he died. I did that. It's the weight of my sin. It's the weight of your sin. these goat cards that we have. We ask you to reflect and think about the transgressions just as they would in the Day of Atonement, the things that they would confess out loud, the things that literally Aaron would take his hands and put on the head of that goat and audibly confess the sins and transgressions of the people. And this is our opportunity tonight. 
I'm not going to ask you to do it audibly. But on your card, I hope you've taken the time to write some of those things out. And not so that you'll live in the guilt, but because we're going to have an opportunity to set them free. Embrace the banishment of our sins so that we can walk forward in the new life that Christ gave us on this night many, many years ago. And so here in a moment, we're going to go into a time of a few responses. And I want to be very clear and, and help us understand what we're asking you to do here over the next several minutes. Number one, we're going to have time for communion. Taking the body, drinking the blood. It says in the Bible, as often as we do it, to do it in remembrance of Jesus. And what is tonight if not a night of remembrance? So I want to encourage you either in family units or, or as the Spirit leads you, once you've taken the elements from the table, to take that at your discretion as the Holy Spirit is leading you as we're worshiping together. There won't be a formal call where we say, now take the elements, but I want to encourage you to pray through that. Don't take those unworthily. The second aspect at the table is I would encourage you to take the card that you've written those notes on. And what you'll find there is a crimson thread, a crown of thorns. There's red paint and a stamp. And I want you to take the stamp and put it in the paint, put it on the head of the goat and leave it on the table. That will represent the banishment of our sins tonight. And then the third and final, you'll see baskets at each table and there is a thread that I want to encourage you to wear in remembrance until Sunday. In the heaviness and the weight of everything that we've been talking through. But as a reminder also that, that Isaiah talked about that, that once was crimson, God turned white as snow. And there's a history, friends, of, of that goat going out into the wilderness. And as soon as he's released, the, the crimson thread on his head turning white as snow, representing the forgiveness of God. Literally, supernaturally, that God caused that to turn to show to the people that their sins had been forgiven and forgotten. So I want you to take one of those threads and here at the end of service, during our closing prayer, we're gonna tie those on our wrists together. So hang on to them and don't tie them on yet. And then on Sunday, we'll release those as you feel led. But we want you to carry that with you for the next several days and remember the weight of what tonight was and remember what Jesus did on the cross to give us our forgiveness and our freedom. I'm going to pray for us, and then um, the band is going to come back. They're going to, we're going to sing together, but I want to encourage you, after this prayer, as you feel led, head back to the communion stations. They're all along the back wall, um, and partake in those three activities. Remember, just stamp the card and leave it right there on the table. I think it's going to be a beautiful imagery as we walk by after service and see all of the banishment of, of sin that, that Jesus provided for us through his death. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grand narrative, the crimson thread that runs throughout Scripture, that, that oh, it's gory, and it's hard, and it's, it's heavy, but it's beautiful. Father, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still your enemy, Christ died for us, that he lived this perfect and holy life and took the weight of our sins so that we could live a new life and be called righteous.
So tonight, Lord, I pray that we would embrace the forgiveness of our sins, but also that we would embrace the banishment of our sins on Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, carrying them away from us. Lord, help us to to deal with the guilt tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would drive a wedge between us and our guilt, us and our shame, us and anything that would keep us from living in the fullness of God that you have for us. And righteousness would be our new name. pray that you would continue to just be in our midst, reminding us who we are and whose we are. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.